Welcome to Psychotherapy. I am Jet Dunlap. This is episode 79. Whew. That's like a lot further than 50. No one will ever know how many numbers the distance is, but it's sizable. Today's episode, I talk about eating radishes. I talk about these small little things that we can do that don't deplete our energy to move in a good direction. I talk about some studies I've looked into. I talk about giving yourself a break. I talk to you about discipline, but not in a bad way, in a good way. And I jabber jaw about some other stuff because, let's be honest, even though I just recorded this, I barely remember. It's raining today in May, I may say. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. I'm going to go ahead and start this thing. I am Jet Dunlap. This is episode 79. Wow. Where has the time gone? And that episode... Did I... Start right now? Yeah, just go to the music. Okay. An experiment was done at a places where experiments are done. I read a lot of books on this, but I never remember like the schools or the sociological centers that these are done. So you can look into this, but here's the experiment. A room full of, I want to say students, so let's say it was a school. <laughs> but a study was put together with a large amount of students where they were brought into a room. They were given misdirection on what the study was about. It was supposed to be about taste. That's what they understood it as. Uh, some kind of taste palette experiment. And the room had in it a plate full of beets that... Uh, vegetable i'm thinking my wife likes beets i like the rest of the world think they are hideous little monster food but uh beets and then the other plate was full of fresh big cookies oh little homer for you there not the iliad one the uh simpsons one so fresh baked chocolate chip cookies and the aroma from these cookies permeated the room and the aroma from the beets if there's an aroma uh, it didn't one of the groups the test subjects which is like 60 or 70 people were told to only eat the beets and then they were left in the room so these folks went in they smelled the cookies another person looked at the cookie, pretended to lick the cookie, sniffed the cookie, put the cookie back down and ate the beets. They all ate these terrible, horrible beets. And after a little while, people started to get stir crazy. They started going, what is this stupid experiment? We can't stand this. This is dumb and frustrated. Then they were given a maze to work on. They said, while we're working to get the results of this experiment, we want you guys to have something to kill time with. So they gave them a maze and they said, it shouldn't take you that long just solve this maze. The maze was unsolvable. Do, do, do. After about seven minutes, the people who had beats were getting really mad. This is dumb. Why are we here? They're messing with us. Very angry, right? They already had to have beats. Now let's talk about the cookie people. A group of people are brought in the same room, and instead of having to have beats, they got to have cookies. Delicious scrumptious, gooey, 
bite into those chips that are softer than the dough. Oh, I love a chocolate chip cookie. Who doesn't? Nazis, that's who. So they were uh, eating these delicious cookies and enjoying these delicious cookies and probably thought, why are these beets here? Are they spies? <laughs> are they alien eggs? That's what they look like. Who knows? But they had these chocolate chip cookies and then they were also given a maze. The same maze that the beet people were given. And they were told to solve this maze. It was also unsolvable. And they tried and they failed. Some people started over and over and over again. And they, they couldn't get it because, again, it was impossible. But they kept at it and they were very cheery and had an okay time because they were still able to eat as many uh, chocolate chip cookies as they wanted. The people who had the beets spent around seven minutes to nine minutes before they quit on the maze. The people who had the cookies... Well, they spent about 19 to 29 minutes on the maze. Now, what was this experiment showing that I'm recapping to the best of my memory? Willpower. It turns out that when you were forced to eat beets as opposed to cookies, the amount of willpower that took out of you felt like it. You could feel it. It taxed your psyche. Physically, you didn't have the energy. You were more frustrated. You were angry or you were ready for a fight. You don't come at me with beets in a room full of cookies, bro. And that's why they gave up on the mazes. That's why they were angrier. And that's why they're more frustrated. Cookie people, let's go to them. They eat them delicious cookies. They're laughing. They're having a good old time. They play with the maze until the exam person, <laughs> professor, whatever it is, comes in and uh, collects the tests. They don't know what's going on. They did this test on about 6,000 people. Guess what happened? About the same thing every time. Then they did one with exercise. They did a pool of people who exercised and wanted to see what repercussions, just like these cookies, had on other parts of their life. So this other test, they took these people and they got them into an exercise routine and a healthy habit. People ended up quitting things in their lives, like smoking. They let smoke less cigarettes. They're better to their spouse. They're better to their kids. They did better at work. They ended up spending less. Some of them got out of debt, all because of exercise and eating healthy. But then they thought maybe there's a byproduct of exercise that is feeding into these arenas like endorphins that has nothing to do with the willpower of exercising leaking into other habits. So they did it with a class that was just on, same kind of experiment, they taught a class on reducing debt and economics, getting better spending in your life. Those people exercised more, ate better. Those people, believe it or don't, smoke less cigarettes, drink less beer. So what did this whole study of cookies, beets, exercising, and finance show? If you exert willpower, which used to be a dirty word, because... My grandparents understood willpower as something, just getting the guts to do it, get up and go. But then we learned a little bit more about science. We started going, well, you know, it's not just willpower. What about genetics? What about all this? What about the advantages? We got kind of muddied up in all that. Whether you call it willpower or not, remember, that's a language trick. So if it's willpower, if it's positivity, they're all the same thing. One may mean something to you that the other doesn't. One is a red flag that says, oh, God, I hate it when people say that. People have been trying to get me to lose weight through willpower. I didn't lose weight through willpower. I lost weight through Weight Watchers, which is a group of like-minded people who helped me stay on a track that has served me for almost three years. So when you hear this, understand that I'm not coming from a 
biased place. I'm telling you about the experiments and how it works in life personally. It showed that when you exert effort and discipline in one arena of your life, it will affect other parts of your life. But there was a key piece of that beginning story that should make you feel better about yourself. When you start to do it, it's exhausting. That first day, let's even go back a little further. It's November. November comes along and you start to go, all right, Tubby. Now remember, I'm talking to myself. All right, Tubby. It's time to shape up. You know you can be a beautiful stud muffin. Now I'm talking to you. You know that you can be, do anything you want to do because there are examples in your life. And if there aren't, you know other people have done it. And how different can they be from you? We're all about the same. Jet says it on his show. How could he lie? He has an advanced degree in, you know, something, right? His name is Jet MD. Jet MD. That can't just mean Mark Dunlap. That must mean he's a medical doctor. So you realize that you can do this. November comes around and you go, okay, here it goes. January 1st. January 1st, I'm going to turn this bus train boat around and I'm going to make it happen. December, you're hogging out with your log out. I mean, you are going to town. You are eating everything and anything you can. You're drinking it like an old rummy. Because you know what? January 1st is going to be a different guy. You're going to be a different gal. You wake up that morning and you are swapped like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You are a new person. December is your Mardi Gras. You're really getting into the holidays. Then about a week before, start probably around Christmas, you're like, oof, I have been really indulging and my belly is starting to jelly. I talked to a good friend of mine the other day and this is to break this story for a second and I said, because he's a very good friend of mine, I said to him that when I decided to turn my boat around, I was sitting in my car. <laughs> what a stupid metaphor for another vehicle. So I was going to turn my boat around and I was in my car. When I decided to start living more healthily, I was in my car and I remember I was on the 118 and it's a little bumpy at one point and I felt my stomach going over uh, my belt, which they, Dunlap's disease, my stomach done a lap. I don't even understand how that joke works, but it's something from Fresh Prince. Um, so uh, my stomach was, I could feel it like over my belt. Now, not all the way over, but enough. And I'm like, ugh, I got to do something about this. So you feel that way in December and January comes along and I can make this story a lot longer and a lot more fun for me. Clearly, I'm loving being animated. And then that day happens and you take out your shiny new running shoes, your low friction pants that you did a lot of research on, your moisture wicking shirt. Athletes like to talk about moisture wicking. My wife always says, is that moisture wicking? She doesn't always say that. She said it a couple times and I noticed. Get out your hat. And it's a little cold out that day, so you don't do it. Then the second, third, you know, if you're over 10 years old, you understand what happens. Willpower. That's what happened. When you first do get to run, that exhausts you. But the thing that already exhausts you before you put one foot in front of the other was the fact that you had to do a thing you hadn't done before. It's the radishes, guys. The radishes drain you. So Jet, 
please tell me you have a solution for this. Well, of course I do. How could I not? I'm JetMD. You can't do it all at once. We've all tried because we're all idiots. You can't decide to stop eating sugar, quit cigarettes, quit drinking, get in shape, start running, start writing that script, book, or taking that class. All in the same day, because just like the radish story, that takes too much. You'll do none of it. And it's easy to just press the button, the red button that blows it all up. Then to continue, that's you've depleted your willpower or energy units. So what do you do? You do one of them. You do one of them. You say, I'm going to have a meatless week. Then I'll have a boozeless week. Then you'll start tracking food. Now, here's a little secret I want you to understand. I didn't say do the next one after that on top of it. I'm saying one week you say, I'm not going to eat meat. Then the next week you can eat meat but not drink booze. Then the next week you can drink booze and eat meat and track your food. Then eventually, maybe you'll want to say, I think I'll do a month without booze. Eat meat, don't track. Then, if you still can, try the no booze while tracking. Then eventually get to the walking. Then eventually get to the running. Now I'm speeding up on that track, but you understand what I'm saying. This kind of intermittent, slow buildup will stack. I started this three years ago, over three years ago. First, I went to Weight Watchers. Then eventually, Gina and I stopped eating meat. Then eventually, I started reducing sugar. Then I stopped drinking. Then I started tracking food. Then I started exercising regularly. Then I started writing. Then I started podcasting. Then I started stand-up. All those things have combined, but I never tried to do all of them at once. That's a lie. I did try doing them at once, multiple times, and it failed. I took the success of tracking my food and being accountable to those folks in the Weight Watchers meeting and turned it into being able to be a vegetarian. I turned the success of being able to track my food and being a vegetarian into stopping drinking. Stop one thing, you stop another. Then I started things. Now you have to be easier on yourself. You can't be all the way easy. You can't start a thing that you have quit, but you have to give yourself breaks. If you stop drinking, I was talking to my friend who's thinking about stopping drinking. I'm like, what did you used to do as a reward before you started drinking? You didn't start drinking when you were five. And this person said, I loved like a Nestle Crunch Bar at the end of the day. Like have a Nestle Crunch Bar when you stop drinking for a month. Well, yeah, you know, that's fatty. The alcohol was just as bad, but now you won't be drinking and you're having a Nestle Crunch Bar. Eventually, you'll give up the Nestle Crunch Bar, but then you'll have gotten over the alcohol. You replace that treat. You're using the cookie to make it so you can eat the radish. Bad example, but you get what I'm saying, and it hooks it back to the beginning. Using the thing that is a reward, a cue in your brain, because we are that simple, to say, hey, I have a reward still. It's not the same reward. Let's say the most devastating thing in your life right now is smoking. And you have to quit smoking. The first day you quit smoking, go get a tub of ice cream. Eat it. <laughs> the whole tub, I don't care. Then that week, 
Give yourself permission to eat whatever you want. The next week, pull something away. Then the next week, pull something away. And eventually, maybe by the month, because this is naturally how we do it as an adult, by the end of that month, you will have disciplined yourself to have just quit smoking. So that little bit of ice cream in the first week, that little indulgence on fatty foods, takeout, whatever it is, will have gotten you over that immediate hump of stopping smoking. But then by that first month, you're like, oh my God, I'm smoke-free. And after that first year, six months, two days, whatever it is for you, you might find something else in life. Now, Jet, why is this a better life? Uh, Jet, I'm 20. This person who's talking to me, just in case you got confused. Let's call him Bustopher Jones. Bustopher Jones says to me, Jet, I'm 20. I don't want those years anyway. This is a thing you hear when you're 20. I don't know why, but it's true. They go, I don't want to get old. I want to smoke and drink. Die young. Leave a sexy corpse. I know some of those guys. They're dead. I haven't heard any of their opinions or jokes for 20 years. It's not sexy. But let's say you have that idea that you're going to smoke and drink, and you're still older, and you're like, you know, I, I don't want those last years anyway. They're talking about, like, I guess their 70s and 80s. You're a fool. <laughs> uh... Remember, I, I maintain this idea that I'm 30, but, you know, I'm an old 30. The older you get, the more you realize, aha, uh -huh, I'm going to get older. It would be a lot better, and I've had the fortune or misfortune of watching a lot of my friends and family die over the last couple of years. You want to be in as little pain and as much joy as you possibly can and treating this spaceship that we are on Earth in our human body as well as we possibly can, is crucial for that enjoyment. If you just thought of it as a vehicle that gets you places, wouldn't you want it to work its best? I was telling this friend of mine who's trying to get sober, one of the things about having a body that you're proud of, now understand, I said a body that you're proud of. I didn't say a perfect body. You have to get in the best shape for you, whatever that feels like, so you don't have the pain. And what I was telling my friend is, when you have that kind of shape, whatever it is, however far you've come, when you interact with the world, the thing that's under your clothes is proof to you that you can do something incredible. That is profound. For you, it might be 20 pounds, 10 pounds, 5 pounds. Maybe you have rheumatoid arthritis like my aunt, and it's very hard to get there. But when you get there, it feels better in a profound way. I'm not saying that not everyone has different battles. They do. But I'm saying if you can take care of you, everywhere you go, you have that proof. When you feel comfortable about the skin you're in, really, not BS, not... I love myself the way I am. A lot of people who say that don't. When I was 212 pounds, I probably said that. I like being big. It's nicer because then people don't mess with me, blah, blah, blah. That was bullshit. I just said that because it was easier than doing sit-ups. I'm speaking to you guys from a place of knowledge, personal knowledge, okay? Don't believe that BS. The radish story and the cookie story was to let you know that it's okay when it's tough. The willpower depletes from other places in your life. If you're trying to write that book every day, if you're trying to go to that class, you're going to be shorter 
with your family, temper, not height. Realize that's going to happen and combat it. Here's the best part about that story. It turns out that just like your muscles, willpower, if exercised, does not feel resistant. And you know this. So the stronger your willpower gets, think of it as any other strong part of your body, the less you feel pain you know, or anger or any kind of bad sensation out of doing new things. I can do new things all the time now. And I feel the initial idea of, do I have to do that? And then after a couple of moments, I don't feel it anymore. Does that mean that I don't drag my feet? Sure I do. But is it a lot easier for me? Is it night and day easier for me than most people and what it used to be? Yes. Because in the last 12 years, I've been sober nine years. It's actually a little more than that. It's like almost 10 years, but <laughs> splitting hairs here. The point is discipline begets discipline. And discipline's a dirty word too. Remember how I started this by saying certain vocabulary offends people and therefore they don't do it? I don't want you to not do things that are positive for you because you think discipline's a bad word. So let's call it treating yourself to a better tomorrow. Oh my God, I have to call this episode that because that is so cheesy and stupid. <laughs> treating yourself to a better tomorrow. That might be a little too long of an episode title when I was trying to write down my pen out of ink. <laughs> it's not like it was full of ink at the beginning. Do you get what I'm saying? My last episode was about dealing with what we're going through right now. Because even though I'm tired of talking about that, it's the way of the world. I can't pretend it's not. If we were all underwater, I'd have to have episodes about being underwater. It has to be relatable. If it's not relatable, I'm alienating people. So my point is, is that now that you know that eating radishes depletes your energy, do it in small steps. Eat the radish once a week, then twice a week. I'm not actually encouraging radish eating. Radishes are gross. I won't even eat them. <laughs> Gina has them. I, I haven't even tried it. I don't know if I've ever had it. Well, probably in a salad. Guys, I guess I'm saying have a little bit of radish. And I guess I'll have to now and report back on what it's like. If I die from radish eating, you'll know why. I hope this helped. I hope this eased some things that are going on in your life that you're trying to work on. Because right now, it's almost like New Year's. We have all this time to start these new things. Every day that you avoid something, it hurts. But we can do these things because it takes willpower to go to work every day. And if you're not going to work every day, you have more of it. So you can start those habits that will really serve you when you start up your life again in normality. I'm out of words. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jet Dunlap for Psychotherapy. I'll talk to you next time.